Hello and welcome back to this very special edition of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. It's the 2021 edition of the HR Social Hour Pop Culture Roundtable. I'm your host, John, and in what has become one of my favorite annual traditions for the Social Hour, I've brought my illustrious panel of guests and HR peers and all-around cool people that have interesting pop culture takes to share. So I want to welcome back Lorena Pabon, Michael Milady, and Chris Orozco. Everybody, how you doing? What's going hey. on, everybody? Hey, Hello. how are you? Awesome. <laughs> for those of you that have been listening to the show for a while, you may recall we've done this. I think this is our third annual show, but this year we were so excited to get together because we do enjoy each other's company, and COVID made it really hard to get together in person. We did a show in April, kind of a mid-year review to kind of go from there. We're going to talk about three movies three TV shows, and three, I'm calling it audio items or anything. Could be podcasts, albums, songs. Chris's case, it may be a video game. We're going to all be surprised. What's new that weren't those topics that we talked about back in April? Been a little while, and it's always great to be together, but we've not been together as a group since April. I'm going to check in and see everybody's going on. Lorena, what's new with you? Wedding plans? What's happening? Uh, well, it's still the wedding planning, but it hopefully it'll be over soon. It's February 26th, the actual date. So now it's all the final touches. I already said yes to the dress. So now I'm just making sure I don't eat too much. So I fit on that dress, but it's February. <laughs> so, <laughs> literally, I'm not going to lie. I The day I bought the dress, I weighed myself and I was like, okay, this is the weight I need to maintain until February. I cannot lose weight. I cannot gain weight. This is the weight. <laughs> And Michael, I know back in the spring you had made a home move, but I think you've got other stuff that's happened since then. Yeah, since since then, uh, at the end of June, I I actually changed, uh, got a got a new gig, moved from where I was Genesis. Now I'm working for Ultimate Chronos, doing um, HR uh, as an HR consultant role, but kind of doing a lot of mix of employee relations as well as kind of training and working with managers, employees, kind of frontline stuff, really digging into kind of making good engagement and and, and focused on that. So uh, I've been there five months now and enjoying it. Uh, it's, it's good to be there and uh, I'm loving it. Yeah. And Chris, you had the video game show going. I know Matthew's kind of looked at doing other things. What else you got going on? Yeah, he's got his own squad now, so he doesn't have a lot of time to record with Daddy anymore. Uh, it's it, But it's pretty cool that he's got all those little buddies on there. Um, man, i just been hanging out. What happened after April? Oh, we went to <laughs> Disneyland. I forgot. Yeah, we went to Disneyland, which was always amazing. And uh, But otherwise, uh, not much has changed since April. It's always great to see all of you and have these conversations because I always pick up at least one thing. Lorena in particular can challenge me to try new stuff. Not that Chris <laughs> and Michael, you don't. But Lorena in particular, I always appreciate that. So again, we're going to talk movies, television, and then audio, audio slash everything. We all have three choices for each thing. We're going to kind of go in a, in a little roundtable order here. So Lorena, you're up first with movies. The one thing I learned while I was looking for the movies I've watched this year is that um, I haven't watched any new movies in the longest time. So everything I've watched has been pretty much rewatching. So this is more documentary oriented because they came out this year. So <laughs> I'm going to start with Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal, um, which is I don't I mean, 
every, I think everyone heard about a few celebrities and basically people who have access to a lot of money, um, pretty much buying their uh, kids' admissions to very prestigious schools. Um, we heard mostly about Lori Laughlin. This documentary, they actually call it a hybrid film because some of it is documentary and then the reenactments of conversations that, you know, between emails, they were, you know, actors. So you would, you know, all these emails, I mean, the parents knew, completely knew what they were doing. Um, I think, you know, the victims here were not only the kids who get cheated out of the, you know, of a spot in the school, but um, some of the kids had no clue and you could tell. I always thought that you get into college based on merit or if your parents bought a building because they had that, they had that type of money, that's one way to do it. I thought those were the two ways to get in, but apparently you can fake you're an athlete and get into college and, or, you know, they'll pay for someone to take your SATs and give you like a high SAT score. Like I was very shocked at how well they played that system. It was quite eye opening to say the least. My first choice, I don't think it's going to be a surprise because I know, I think it actually came up last year. F9. Holy yes. cow. Yes. Gang, that movie was so ridiculously fun. When they got to space, I'm like, that's it. They go to space. <laughs> they go to space. They it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, my God. They made it. <laughs> uh, unbelievably fun. And I love the whole family motif that goes on all the, throughout all those movies, but particularly this one. Everybody knows I'm a fan of big, dumb fun. This was as big and dumb as and as fun as it gets. If the next one is a two-parter. I don't know how much more bananas it can get, gang. F9. Check your brain at the door. Just go enjoy yourself for two hours and <laughs> laugh yourself silly. Chris, your first movie. I want to talk a little bit about a movie that's uh, or a movie series that's near and dear to my heart. And it had a new installment just come out a few weeks ago, and I'm very conflicted about it. It is one Ghostbusters Afterlife. If you know me well, uh, our beautiful audio listeners, audio listeners out there, uh, Ghostbusters 1 is my favorite movie of all time. Um, Ghostbusters 2 I love and so this is essentially Ghostbusters 3 and so I was super pumped to see it I was just so bummed when I left it the first time I had like Last Jedi vibes leaving it like what was that I don't understand what this movie was me loving Ghostbusters as much as I do I went back and saw it a second time I said maybe I missed something and I'll tell you guys what as a movie it's about family and I love that part and so it is it, it is an enjoyable movie it is not a good Ghostbusters movie. The ending is very, very, you know, the old Ghostbusters show up, but they just kind of show up out of nowhere. And it's supposed to be like, I feel like an uh, Avengers Endgame, where like when everybody's coming back, you're clapping and you're excited and you're rooting for them. And I'll tell you what, in Avengers Endgame, I was. I was clapping and laughing and cheering and crying. And at this one, I just thought, what is going on here? This doesn't make any sense. This is ridiculous. I can't believe they're doing this as a Ghostbusters movie. I just don't think it worked, you guys. Michael, your first pick. You know, I haven't been to the theaters really uh, at all <laughs> in a long time. So pretty much any movie I've seen has uh, is streaming. The one that I'll pick for my third one is, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy a good Western. And the one on Netflix, The Harder They Fall, um, has Idris Elba and, and Jonathan Majors on there. Just a really fun movie. I mean, I you know, they... Uh, played fast and loose with, I think, some of the true historical characters and doing things that they probably didn't do at, at all in real life. But it was good to see uh, if you enjoy just a, a Western where things get blown up and people get shot in the streets, and but also a good kind of character driven as well. And they really kind of play a good diverse cast and everything like that. I don't know. I enjoyed it. 
Uh, I haven't seen a good Western in a while, so it's nice to nice to see that. Lorena, your next pick. Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil documentary. Um, and this one uh, talks about her recovery after her last overdose. I think the album attached to that documentary is called Dancing with the Devil, and the song's actually really good. Um, but it just takes you through, you know, all the things that, you know, came into play as a young child star, like you don't realize how messed up these situations are a lot, uh, you know, when you're a child star working for um, Disney, I'm a huge Disney fan, but apparently it's not fun to work with them as an actor. (laughs) So, um, you know, not only that, but also her father who um, died of an overdose, he he was an addict. So that comes into play as well. Um, A lot of body dysmorphia issues um, being discussed. And then whoever was her, I guess, man, manager before who she's like who I think it's Scooter Brown now um before him was controlling everything regarding her weight to the point where she couldn't even eat a birthday cake on her on her birthday they would have what they called a watermelon cake which was a watermelon with a little bit of um, whipped cream so it's like all these little things that happen you know as an actress that you know that play into your mind and you know you you know you self-medicate and you you know go and use drugs and alcohol as a form of coping because you don't know better. And then it turns into an addiction. The documentary ended saying that she was quote unquote California sober, which a lot of people criticize, which means that she only drinks and smokes weed, but she doesn't use any of the hard stuff, which makes no sense in my opinion. But a few weeks ago, I think she came out and said, "Um, California sober doesn't work. I'm completely sober now. So you know, that was back in March when it came out. So I think it was like maybe a week or two that she came out saying that she was apparently completely sober. It's interesting. Totally changing topics and turn there with mine. I actually mentioned this was the thing I was most looking forward to in 2021. And that was the Suicide Squad, the sequel to Suicide Squad, which was dreadful. That movie sucked. <laughs> it did. The, the Suicide that. Squad. I am not a fan of over the top gore. There's a lot of really, really bloody, gory stuff in that movie that I could do without. But the storyline is is really entertaining. It is not for everybody. We try to be PG on this show. That movie's a hard R if there ever was one. We also get John Cena's Peacekeeper, who is getting his own show on HBO. I cannot wait to see that. The whole story behind those movies is these are villains that they send on suicide missions. The intent is for them to not survive. And it's how these handful of villains get together and survive. And it is over the top. It's bloody. The fight scenes are ridiculous. Some of them are just ridiculously funny. And Sylvester Stallone plays a a talking shark. You just can't beat it. I shouldn't say that. If you enjoy that kind of stuff, you can't beat it. This is not a Marvel movie. This is not feel good. Please do not let your children see this because <laughs> it is not it is not family friendly at all between the language and the gore because it is graphic. I had high expectations because I really like James Gunn's work. His humor resonates with me very deeply. And so, yeah, as soon as I started that movie, the first five minutes, I was in tears laughing. And I'm like, I'm, I'm in. You know, I have warned you, it is it is not for everyone. So if you are easily offended, don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, next up. I want to talk about something real quick. It is called Halloween Kills. And have you guys seen it? Halloween Kills. <laughs> 
I like Lorena every time. <laughs> she starts laughing for our audio listeners. If you could see, we're, we're videoing each other so we can see each other. Uh, Halloween Kills. Nobody on the, the pop culture squad has seen this? No. I don't do horror movies, man. Okay, got it. Not I, don't, I, 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 I know that it came out, but I have not seen it yet. No. I streamed this on the Peacock. I did not go to the cinema for that one. But it was it was uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis back in it. It's a sequel to uh, the Halloween reboot, which was in 2018, I think, um, which was a direct sequel to Halloween, the original one. Uh, mm. They kind of uh, erased from continuity Halloween 2 and everything else that happened after that. Uh, her, Laurie Strode, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis's character, uh, Laurie Strode is not um, the sister of Michael Myers in this continuity. I don't think if I mentioned this, but uh, scary movies, I don't like the kind of like demons and all this stuff because it just really terrifies me and I start hearing things at night and I can't sleep and I'm a big chicken. And so Halloween Kills, it's brutal. Uh, I'll throw out there, it's a hard rated R. So uh, if you're not into that stuff, don't watch it because it is brutal. Michael Myers, uh, at the end of the last one, uh, you think he gets burned up. And, of course, uh, this guy's like superhuman or supernatural. I don't know what he is. But the dude just can't be killed. So he comes out of the house in flames, and he just starts killing, like, firefighters left and right. And the movie just takes over, and it is brutal and gory even more than the Suicide Squad, John, if you can believe it or not. it, it They make this one just nasty. But I enjoyed the heck out of it. Jamie Lee Curtis does a great job. It's a lot of fun. If you like the slasher movies, if you like the horror, check it out. Big old thumbs up. Michael, next up. You know, I will go in a slightly more family-friendly version, I guess, uh, <laughs> just to kind of keep it mainstream. I don't know. Shang-Chi uh, in, on in Yeah, Marvel. that was fun. Um, that was – it was fun. Coming out of Endgame, it's nice to see some – it was just kind of a fun movie. I thought it was actually a really good story and actually how they told it kind of leading up to um, the process. It was a little uh, – I, I actually even enjoyed uh, the – I'll say spoiler alert, but because they didn't really prep it in any of the preps, but Ben Kingsley was fun in that, in his role coming back as the Mandarin, but you know, fake Mandarin or whatever, and, and kind of enjoying his, his time there. Yeah, it was, it was a good movie. I would definitely recommend it. I, I have not really seen, I haven't seen the Eternals or anything else uh, since then. It was just a good, it was a good Marvel movie in general. And I think, uh, you know, we'll see how, how they build uh, all of the characters, both TV and otherwise, you know, coming into the, into everything else. So yeah, it was good. Uh, last choice from Lorena. So the last documentary, um, which I saw very recently, was Britney versus Spears, which I was actually really interested in watching because I never had a big opinion on uh, Britney's conservatorship because I did not know enough. You know, when all of the 2007 thing happened where she shaved her head and all, you know, all these things that deemed her quote unquote crazy. And I don't like using that word, but um, that's what she was being called at the time. I was probably like, I was in high school. So I was probably thinking, man, she's crazy. Regardless of how her mental state was back then, watching this documentary, it opened my eyes because I realized that a lot of people were profiting from this conservatorship. I can't pronounce that word to save my life. Sorry, English is my second language, as you guys know. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Her father was making money off her. The mother was at some point making money off that as well managers they were controlling her life to the point that she didn't have the keys to her car uh it was really interesting and eye-opening to see and then this debate of did she really deserve to be in that situation after watching the documentary i i you know i my opinion is that maybe she needed some sort of control 
but should have been professionals and attorneys handling her estate as as opposed to family members who just take you know pretty much took advantage of her now you know you see her and you know because now she i think recently they basically took her off that and now she's free, which is great. Um, but then a lot of people are like reacting because now she seems to act a little bit kooky on her social media. And I'm like, guys, she's been trapped for over a decade being controlled by everyone. Of course, she's going to act a little bit kooky um, in social media because she was supposed to be doing this a decade ago, not now. So she's, you know, she's learning. <laughs> she's it's like, she's <laughs> making she's up the lost up. time. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, it's like you can't, you know, you can't blame her for, you know, for being the way she is. Um, and I I think um, at some point she mentioned uh, on social media that she's going to have a conversation with Oprah, which I know that's a little bit controversial in itself because, you know, there's the Oprah haters and the Oprah lovers. But I'm actually interested in in watching that. I just want to see, you know, I am too. I'm, you know, I wish her the very best and I'm really happy that she gets to make her own decisions for herself because there were things I didn't even imagine they were controlling to the point that they didn't want her to have a cell phone. And when they realized that with iPhones, you have an iCloud and everything goes to your iPad, to your Mac. If you have a bunch of devices, they allowed her to have an iPhone and then they had a secret iPad and they were tracking Every single text conversation she was having, every app she had, it was super controlling. So, you know, it was, yeah, it's super creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, especially for a full grown adult too. Like, you know, it's not like we're talking. Wrap your head around the fact she just turned 40. Yeah, exactly. I was teaching when she first hit, when Hit Me One More Time came out, she was a teenager. And I remember I was teaching. And now to think that Britney Spears is 40 years old, had a conservatorship for the last 13, 14, 15 years. Time marches on. But that's what when I when I saw lately, it was her 40th birthday. It just it blew my mind was, wide open. I could. Well, it's, it's I mean, I makes was me feel raised, so much older. No, I know. But I was raised by very strict Latino parents. And I'm telling you that as a teenager, I had more privileges than this person who's an adult, a full grown a, a woman. So that, that, I mean, the fact that they were reading every single text, you know, um, that for me was like, wow. You've got me interested in all kinds of stuff watching about musicians, <laughs> which I didn't necessarily expect. My last choice, didn't know what it was, or didn't know it was coming out, didn't know anything about it. It is my number one movie of the year. It is a movie called Nobody. Bob Odenkirk, who many of you know from Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. his house gets robbed. He doesn't do anything. The robbers come in and bust up the house, and he doesn't take any action. Bob Odenkirk, everybody's seen Bob Odenkirk. He's a little meat guy. Yeah, he goes John Wick because it turns out he's got a past. And this movie goes Uh-oh. wide open. It's John Wick with a 55-year-old hero like Bob Odenkirk. The night he snaps... He has a fight on a bus, and it's one of the most amazingly shot fight scenes I've ever seen. He fights like six dudes on a bus at the same time. This movie progresses, and it gets wilder and wilder. You start to find out all the story that he truly was not a nobody. If you like those kind of movies, and again, I recognize that they're not for everybody, but if you like the John Wick action, beat em up, shoot em ups there's no saving grace in these movies. There's no real gift to humanity. But it is highly entertaining. Bob Odenkirk is great. And it's, again, a part you would never expect to see him play. He got in great shape for it. He's a badass. Totally out of left field. Had no idea what it was. Nobody. Cannot recommend it enough for those of you into that kind of stuff. All right, Chris, your last choice. Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. Let me tell you guys about this. It is, again, (laughs) 
Wait, wait. <laughs> Welcome to Raccoon City? That's what it's called. That's the name yeah, of the it, location from no, the first. No is, it, is this a comedy? In the making of this movie. No, I swear to God. I swear to God, you guys. It's it's. Uh, let's talk about it. Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City is a movie. It's based upon the first two games. It gets a little convoluted in there. If you're if you're a, a long-standing fan of the series, they had to cram a lot in there because both games stand on their own. So there's some stuff where this uh, special elite squad team of soldiers. Officers go, there's a mansion, and it's full of zombies, and it's a hard R, so people are just getting eaten left and right and bit and, and torn apart. And then there's a part that's happening in a police station, which is from the second game. And again, a lot of gory stuff, people getting uh, just mutilated and weird zombie people and all this stuff. But you know what? I'm an old school fan of the, the of the games. It's like an Easter egg hunt. If you're a fan of Resident Evil out there, you guys, listeners, there's all sorts of stuff. They just pepper through the movie of, uh, oh, there's that and there's that and there's that. So uh, I made my uh, return back to the cinema again for that one. And I was happy to do that for Resident Evil, and they did a good job. I was having a great time with the popcorn and just watching all the stuff that I played as a 14-year-old kid. There it was up on the screen, and uh, I just had a hell of a time with it. It was fantastic. I just have one question. Yes, sir. Please, please tell me that the theme song to the movie is a parody of Paradise City, and it's Take Me Down to Raccoon City. Give me that. Give me something, man. Give me something. You know, okay, I, I I don't think so, but they do oh, play. A, they do play that's a, a missed lot of, opportunity, right? Yeah, there, right? they do play a lot of. If the movie takes place in the late nineties. They do play a lot of songs in there, so they might have played that song in there. I don't remember, but they do play a lot of stuff throughout the movie. But it's a, it's a, it's a fun movie. I don't think Guns N' Roses licenses their music much, but boy, that'd be great. That, that'd be stellar. <laughs> so thumbs up, Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Okay, Michael, your last choice. I guess all, most of mine have all been well, at least action-oriented, to be sure. So I'm going to close mine out with Red Notice. It was on Netflix. It had The, the Rock, uh, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot. Uh, just amazing. You know, it was just fun. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is just a you know, wise ass, you know, he plays himself, I guess, for lack of a better word. I don't really know how else he to, to claim it. But um, and all in all, it was just Exactly what I was expecting it to be, uh, both comedy, action, fun. It, it was a lot of just kind of explosions, chases, you know, uh, tango and cash, escape from prison kind of thing going on. Like, it was just, it was fun. It was good. Absolutely. I think, you know, I know it's probably been one of uh, Netflix's most successful movies I think they've done and put out, you know, kind of mass marketed, so to speak. And I rightfully so. I mean, it was just really kind of out there for pretty much every age group almost, you know maybe not young kids but obviously but you know the main demographic they all shoot for and uh and yeah it was good i would definitely recommend uh recommend it It was if you hadn't seen it it's good stuff excellent well that wraps up movies tv we're gonna move on michael you you didn't get much of a break there your first choice on the tv side no worries. Uh, so for TV, I, you know, I think this one was a harder choice. I think I watched more what we would call TV um, in this past year than movies or straight movies. But um, for me, my fir- or my third choice, uh, it would be Only Murders in the Building. Uh, it has Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez. You know, I've I'm always been a Steve Martin, Martin Short fan in general. So like I I, I like watching them, and then Selena was was great uh, as well. Um, the three of them as characters, 
uh, like it, you know, liking this, you know, put creating their own murder podcast along with the general, you know, plot of finding out who killed who and the background and kind of unfolding and unpeeling those layers. It was really well done. And I know they're doing a see they just started filming season two. Great series. That's actually on my list as well. So, <laughs> so. I've heard nothing but good. Chris, you're first up. Let's talk. Can we talk about Loki? Let's talk about Loki of Asgard. <laughs> yes, absolutely. On the on the Disney Plus streaming that, and this was not one of the ones when they announced what they're going to do on Disney Plus and streaming that I was particularly like super super pumped for. Um, I mean, Loki's a fun character. You know, he's a villain, and so was kind of interested to see what they did with that. But my son Matthew and I, we watched it religiously. I think that this what people thought that uh, WandaVision was going to do were kind of introduced the multiverse, um, which I don't think WandaVision ended up doing. Whereas Loki, though, is just, by the end of that movie, you got King the Conqueror. You learn about variants, that there are different versions of the same person or character. Such an awesome show. It was fun on its own, but the way that it opened the door to all these things, I just think is super cool. Lorena, your first choice. Well, my first choice was actually only murders in this building. So it, I, I agree. It was <laughs> so um, it's it was a great show. I would have never expected whoever thought of putting Selena Gomez to work with Steve Martin and Martin Short. It was one of those things where you're like, really? Will they work together? And they actually did. It really, it was a really great chemistry. I loved her character, by the way, because she's just so flat, like so like almost emotionless. And then out of nowhere, she'll say something really like sarcastic. And, you know, she's actually pretty funny as well. Like you don't expect that from Selena Gomez, but she actually has a really good sense of humor. Um, and she's a really good actress. So she's grown a lot since Disney Channel. I can tell you that um, it was really <laughs> great. I highly, I highly recommend it. Um, I can't add much to it because you pretty much said it all. To no one's surprise, one of my shows is a comic book or comic book universe related thing. It's actually Modoc. That's that animated, awesome. Right? Patton Oswald is the voice of Modoc, which is a mental organism designed only to kill. And Modoc is basically a big head in a chair with little arms and little legs. And he floats around and he's supposed to just try to kill everybody. Gang, it is one of the funniest things they've done. It is not a family friendly thing. It is a little, it's, it's kind of like a robot chicken in that style, but really, really funny. And of course, Modoc has issues at home. He's going through a divorce he has two children, one of which is a human. His wife's a human. His his, what, his son is human, but his daughter is a little Modoc. She's actually a little a little girl's head on a big chair with arms and legs. They tie in Iron Man. There, there's appearances from people in the MCU. Super funny. It had a lot of heart and context to it that I did not expect. Knowing Patton Oswalt, I've always been a fan of his comedy. And I know he super, super comic book nerd. So I'm sure he had this well thought out. It's super funny and it's weird. It is it, it doesn't tie into this other stuff, but I highly recommend it if you like silly and particularly it's stop it's stop motion animation. You can really see the robot chicken influence in it. All right, Michael, next up. Definitely going in the uh, complete opposite direction. So, you know, I know this one got a little a lot of hate from different fans out there, but I actually enjoyed the new He-Man that came out on Netflix, Masters of the Universe. The second installment of season one or whatever just just breached a couple week a week or so ago or two a couple weeks ago um i i enjoyed it i thought you know anything mark hamill when he's doing the voice like he you know he obviously just owns every 
everything he does. And uh, so I thought he, I think he did a great job with Skeletor. I think the writing actually, uh, oddly enough, the, the lines that they gave him and some of the others to, as they interacted was just really good. Um, and you know, the, the storyline, you know, I, I don't know. It's a cartoon, so you know to some degree. And I think there was some fan service, but also completely subverting some things that put some fans on, you know, over over the edge or whatever um, for those people who are really into it. But um, I I just enjoyed it. I was obviously a fan growing up, but um, but I, but I guess I wasn't as uh, I don't know emotionally scarred as as others who watched it the, the first go around from what I saw <laughs> online. But um, but yeah, no, I I actually would recommend it. I, I think you know even for people nowadays who were just getting into it and just for enjoyment factor. I thought it was, I thought it was well done. Chris. Uh, let's talk about Marvel again. It is on Disney plus you can stream it. It was a series called what if kind of taken from where Loki was like we were talking about that. They just kind of broke open this multiverse where there's all these characters and different timelines and what's happening. What if I thought that kind of uh, what happened in Loki kind of, uh, added some context to this, that these are stories that are happening in different universes with characters that we're familiar with, but different things have happened to them and they become different versions of, of those characters. I think like uh, Agent Carter from um, the Captain America movie, like she becomes Captain Carter. She be- She's the one that took the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers. So it was just cool to see them do this. And I think, and I have not read them, but I think it's, and John, you might know this, it was based upon a what if series None of the stories that they do, the cartoon is based all on MCU stuff. Okay. Yeah, What what If has been a ser- series several times over the years. Gotcha, gotcha. It's just fun to kind of see these characters that we know and, and different things that have happened to them. Uh, there was the episode with Thor, which was just a lot of fun, and I think it was Chris Hemsworth that returned. A lot of the folks that, that played them in the movies came back and played them. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, I think, uh, voiced Thor. Um, Chadwick Boseman, he did, was, and, and I think that was that was the last thing he it did. Was the last thing he did as yeah. Black, pa- yeah, and that was he did a really. What if uh, uh, T'Challa became Star Lord instead of Peter Quill? So it's just really cool how they're looking at these things. But then at the end, uh, again, spoilers out there, you guys. If you have not seen it, go watch it, please. Uh, Ultron from uh, Age of Ultron that was in the main MCU turns into this like just bonkers uh, Infinity. Uh, gem-powered Ultron, and it is just so cool to watch. And I, I, I as you guys can uh, see and hear out there, I'm just geeking out about the multiverse, the Marvel multiverse. I'm super, super pumped for it. Lorena? I also watched a limited series. I actually watched this one recently um, after I got my boost, my COVID booster shot, actually, because I just couldn't do anything besides sit down because of the arm pain I had. (laughs) So, but I watched a show called Made. Um, It's on Netflix and it follows the story of a woman who escapes an abusive uh, relationship and it discusses domestic violence in a very interesting way because we hear domestic violence and many times we, we think bruising and we think physical violence. She wasn't necessarily hit. Um, she was very close to getting beat up a few times, but um, she left that home and pretty much she had nothing, no family to rely on. And she, you know, get, gets a job as a maid. And, you know, it's just her struggle. You know, she's with her, I think it's two or three year old daughter. There's days that she doesn't know where she's going to sleep that night. Uh, sometimes she's sleeping in a car. Um, sometimes she's in a domestic violence uh, shelter, but it just tells you, it opens your eyes to poverty in a different way because a lot of people 
you know, say, oh, people play off government assistance and whatnot. And granted, there's got to be people who are playing the system very well, but the system's not really that easy to navigate. And it really works against people who don't have money. Like, for example, one of the biggest things for her was she couldn't pay for childcare. She has a daughter. She can't pay for childcare. So they told her there's this help where she can, um, if she proves she has a job, then they'll give her some help for childcare. But she's like, well, I don't have a job. So you're telling me that I need to get a job. I don't have anyone to take care of my kid, but that's the way I can get my child, you know, childcare. So little things like that. You know, it was a very interesting series to watch. Um, I, originally, when uh, my mom was the one who recommended it uh, to me, originally I didn't want to watch it because sometimes when I see those things, they just affect me emotionally. But I'm glad that I actually took the time and saw it because it really opened my eyes about you know, poverty, domestic abuse, and you know, that domestic abuse is not necessarily getting hit. Sometimes it's much more than that. Lorena, I feel like every time I go after you, I'm changing the topic so much and, and I, <laughs> I don't funny. know what to I'm, do there. I'm the odd man out. So <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. My next choice, I would have never imagined that I want to talk about this show. I didn't, well, actually I didn't know it was going to exist. It was one of the first things that came out when Peacock premiered and it's called Girls 5 Eva. The creator was one of the writers on Kimmy Schmidt and 30 Rock. It's executive produced by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, her husband. He writes the music. And the premise of the show is that Girls 5 was a 90s girl group that had one hit. It's now 20 years later, and they've all got different careers and are doing different things. Well, a young rapper uses their one hit as a sample, and so they get back together. It is absolutely ridiculous. The songs are hilarious. And it's all about them trying to regain their fame. One of the silliest parts about the whole thing is that, of course, it's girls five of them because five is more than four. The fifth member died in an infinity pool accident where she swam off the side of a building. And like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go with that. No, I don't have, know. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. That, why. That's it. That's my point. This show is so. That is like at the height of ridiculousness and there's a whole bit where they do a show and she's there as a, a projection. It's uh Sarah Bareilles, who, you know, has had a pop career. One of the young ladies, she was one of the leads in Hamilton and I forget her name and I apologize, but she's tremendous. Paula Pell, who really has just become a, a comedy MVP from an acting perspective. She's been a writer forever. She's in her late fifties and the way that they explain the age difference or why she looks so much older than the rest of them that all look like they're maybe 40. This show is ridiculous. If you like Kimmy Schmidt, if you like 30 Rock, Girls 5 Eva, it's a little naughty. It's not as spicy as some of the other things out there, but it is, it's on Peacock. It's very funny. That does sound like, good. It, it, yeah, Girls 5 Eva. And I don't think anybody saw it but me and, I, and my wife. We loved it. We thought it was great. Michael, your last choice. I'm gonna I'm gonna end this one in kind of a a dark note, so to speak, because it's a, a but it was a it was for me the the highlight of a uh, of a year from a TV perspective. So it's called Midnight Mass. It was on Netflix. Um, it's kind of a horror slash intense psychological thriller done by the the same person, Mike Flanagan, who did uh, Haunting of Hill House on uh, Netflix a few years ago, which was also uh, amazing. Kind of an ensemble cast. Uh, a lot of people that he had he uses in a lot of his movies or shows and different things like that. So not surprising, but one surprise was uh, Henry Thomas uh, from of ET fame was played uh, the dad of one of the characters and he was on there. And the fun part about, or the, the one of the interesting things is it ends up being 
almost a, a low-level vampire tale, even though it's not, because it's really more about this small island who's kind of truly chosen to isolate itself from the rest of the world. A lot of them are extremely religious, kind of, of in focus, and yet when they're challenged, and you can kind of see kind of like this uh, kind of cultish, like priestish kind of leader uh, who has been bitten by this vampire, but you don't find that out until like episode nine or eight of like <laughs> 10 episodes. So it's like, well, well down the line. Um, and everyone who's kind of focused on this and, and suddenly, you know, how, how everyone kind of fight one of the main cast members uh, he starts off. He's coming out of jail for a drunk driving accident where he kills this girl. And so he's constantly kind of seeing this, you know, living with the kind of remains of what he's done and how he's grappling with like redemption and, and forgiveness and all this stuff stuff too. It was really just, it was a lot of character, a lot of conversation, a lot, you know, the, the horror piece was kind of very separate or, or kind of not separate, but very kind of behind the scenes until it wasn't towards the end. And I, I think anything Mike Flanagan does that I've seen has been really amazing. You know, it's intense, but it's also just really thought-provoking and, and, and great. Definitely recommend it. Uh, probably not something to watch late at night, I would say, um, but uh, <laughs> just because it's, it, you're going to be like uh, either wired from the conversation or the whatever, the, what you're watching. It was still just uh, just a great show. Chris, your last choice. Again, I'm going to close it out with Marvel Studios. It's a series that's going on right now as we speak. Everybody dropping every Wednesday uh, on the Disney Plus. That is Hawkeye. Anybody watching the Hawkeye? I'm going to reserve judgment till the end. Gotcha. Me too. If it maintains this pace, it will be the best MCU show they've done, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I would say coming off of episode three, I, I was kind of so-so on the first two, although I really loved it. Episode three kind of sold it for gotcha. me completely. And and I would agree with John. It's like, I think if the arc goes the way it's going, I think it's going to be an amazing show. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what. When Marvel Studios announces all the shows that they're doing, and I see Hawkeye's on the list, it was not one that I was jumping for joy over, you know, like Loki or anything. You know, I just was like, okay, I'll watch it, but I'm not counting down the days to it. And here they again surprised me again. And Hawkeye is not one of the Avengers that I guess is near and dear to my heart, I would say, as a fun character. But I mean, this show just has a lot of heart. Kate Bishop, I don't remember the actress's name. Haley Steinfeld. She's doing a great job. Some possible merging of characters from the Netflix Marvel shows uh, uh, that uh, you got like the Daredevil and... Jessica Jones and stuff like that. If that's going to be coming over, are those the same characters? Uh, are they variants? Uh, as we talked about, are they variants of the, those characters? I don't know, but it's super cool to see uh, what happens. And this is a very short series. Again, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's six episodes and we're already episode three dropped on Wednesday. And so we've only got three more weeks of this, but it's super cool to see how this leads into what's going to happen next in the MCU. All right, Lorena, your last show. Uh, my last show is called Firefly Lane. Um, it's actually based on a book by, I, I always mess up her name, Christy, Kristen Hanna. Uh, regardless, um, it follows a story of two best friends from their teens up to the present, but the present being early 2000s, like 2005 or something. One, uh, you know, one character, she comes from a regular middle class family. She's really shy. She doesn't have a lot of friends. And then in her street, which is called Firefly Lane, another girl moves in who lives with a mother who is very um, dysfunctional um, and, you know, can't take good care of her. 
you know, she's very 70s, very, you know, weed smoking, <laughs> um, hippie type, goes to all these protests type of person, but doesn't take care of her daughter at home. And then even though they're completely different, they create this, uh, re- you know, friendship and uh, it's a sisterhood pretty much. And it transcends um, different eras. So they go to college together. You know, their adulthood is pretty much together. And, you know, uh, all the ups and downs that a lot of um, female friendships have. It's a really good, uh, you know, story to follow. It's not identical to the book, but it's very close to it. Um, I I really enjoyed it. My last choice is on Netflix, probably one that nobody else has watched, and I'm okay with that. But it is season two of a sketch show called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Tim Robinson was a one-year a member of Saturday Night Live. And then he did a show on Comedy Central called Detroiters, which is really, really funny. I Think You Should Leave is doing some of the most subversive sketch comedy out there. It's not for everybody, but I'll tell a quick story because it kind of tells you where they are. A friend of mine was at SNL hanging out in the back. He happened to see Tim Robinson was there because he's an alum and he was hanging out. And he was with Robert Smigel, who some of you may recognize that name. He came up with a lot of stuff on SNL over the years. And Smigel apparently looked at Robinson at some point. My friend was standing there and heard him say that. And he goes, what's it feel like to be putting out a show with everything you write is better than what's on this show right now. It's a very off kilter sense of humor. Some of it's kind of cringeworthy. Like it kind of just, it's that it's poking at you. <laughs> if you like that, I think you should leave is it, it is a scream and it's it very, they're very short. The shows are maybe 18 to 20 minutes long. I think you should leave. So you got a lot of TV choices now, superheroes, comedy, documentaries. I got to check out this Only Murder show. Two of you talked about it. I got to check it out, particularly because it's about podcasting. Like, how cool is that? Speaking of podcasting, let's go to our last segment, which is audio. We're going to call it audio slash everything because Chris sometimes we know likes to talk about other stuff and it doesn't fit under audio, but it didn't fit anywhere else. Having said that, Chris, you get to start us off. I have the honor of opening up the audio and other miscellaneous uh, section of the show, and I want to talk about something that's near and dear to all of our hearts, and this is on behalf of my dear friend Lorena. I want to talk about Taylor Swift. Whoa. (laughs) All right? Yes. And I don't, and Lorena, uh, jump in on this convo because I don't want to rain on your, if you were going to talk about Taylor T Swift, here's what's going on. And, 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 and I haven't lo- listened to a lot of new podcasts or anything like that. So I was thinking before the show, like, what have I listened to? Or that was something that, that came up. And I remember I'm a, I'm an SL and SNL fan. I still like to watch the show. T Swift was on the show. Anybody watch that? Yeah, uh, yes, Jonathan Majors. Yeah, Jonathan Majors, who plays King the Conqueror in Loki, uh, was hosting. And I see the stuff on the Twitter. There's a lot of stuff going on about. She did like a 10 minute performance of this song that she did. Mm-hmm. All too well. All too well. All yes. too well. And there's <laughs> the video behind her when she's singing this song. And it doesn't seem like a real happy song. And again, this coming from somebody that doesn't, I don't listen to a lot of Taylor Swift. I have nothing against her. I think she's fantastic. I just, I don't listen to a lot of her stuff. I'm watching this on SNL and it's like, okay. And it's clearly about a breakup. uh, And she's, and she's, I don't know, not talking real well about whoever this gentleman is that she was dating and and broke up with. So, okay. So let's get into that. So (laughs) me being curious about this and I see that the, the Twitter's blowing up like, oh my gosh, do you know who she's talking about? And I'm like, I don't. I don't, who is, who is this? 
<laughs> and so I'm Googling and searching this and I find out that the ex-boyfriend that she's bad-mouthing on SNL and singing a whole 10-minute song about him is uh, one Jake Gyllenhaal. And I had no idea that they dated. That's cool. Good for them. Well, obviously not good it for them. It was short-lived. It was three months. Yes, it was, it was just three, months. three months. Hey, yes. <laughs> sometimes that happens. I've been there. No problem. So basically like spilling a lot of dirty laundry about this guy. And I'm just like, I don't know. That seems kind of weird. You should maybe move on and let bygones be bygones, but whatever. Uh, so <laughs> it was a wonderful performance. I have to admit, full disclosure to all of our dear listeners out there, I did not watch the whole thing because <laughs> after a couple minutes, I got the gist of what she was singing about. She's bagging on an ex. And I said, okay, that's that's enough for me for right now. But I understand it went 10 minutes or over 10 minutes. But I went online onto the internets and read a little bit more again, like I said, about what happened between her. There was a, her and a Jake, there was something about a scarf. You know, again, Lorena, jump in. The at scarf, whatever. The scarf represented something else. I don't know how PG oh. we are about this, but just think. Um, oh, forgive uh, me. Outside, outside of the box, a little bit. Um, she she left something, something else that, that was. Uh, you know, something that women are taught to keep precious. Let's keep leaving as that. As, as that. So. Yes, oh. thank you, because I I don't want to be bleeping whole big sex. <laughs> exactly. So, oh. um, even though bleeping is funny. Okay, that's something real serious. Then we're not. I, th- I honestly thought it was winter time when she went to the house. I mean, it could have been winter. It could have been winter. <laughs> but it represents. <laughs> this is also a re-release of an album from like ten years ago, too. So this okay. is yes. not a recent yes. occurrence, so to speak, either. So yes, exactly. This happened. the The whole thing about this this song is loaded in different ways because this is a twenty sure. year old starts dating a guy who's much older than her and apparently Big he promised star. her yes and he promised okay. her the world and she took a step a very important step let's put it that way and then it right. did not end well Trusted for him her with and something very that. special Exactly. And then they break up and it was a big deal because you know oh. how tabloids out are about that topic as well. So it got out that that happened. She must have told a friend like people do. And, you know, that's well, yeah, you would share something that big in life with, <laughs> yeah, with yes. people that are near and dear to you. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I learned a lot uh, yes. that I did not. I honest to God, I honest to the, God thought she just forgot a piece of clothing. Chris, like, steer the other direction, man. Yeah. No I, no, I want to talk about this more for the rest of the show now. This is, you know. Okay, let me, let me close it on this. This is all I got. And, and honestly, this is the only audio topic that I had for the whole thing. Because, again, I haven't listened to a lot of new stuff. I wanted to talk about T-Swift and use my time for that. But I went on there, and it was on the Weekend Update segment after she performed this thing about Jake. Uh, one, of the, one of the news anchor guys on Weekend Update says, Well, guys, and I got a big kick out of this. Well, guys, I think the lesson we all learned this week is never break up with Taylor Swift or she will sing about you for 10 minutes on national television. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? That's good advice. I don't know that I'll ever get a chance in life to date Taylor Swift. She seems like a nice girl, but I definitely wouldn't want 10 minutes sung about me. And I'm really thankful none of my exes have done that. Uh, turn it over to whoever's next. This dovetails lovely, Lorena, right into to whatever you yes, have. which I was going to start with that album, but um, finishing up, that song originally was not um, 10 minutes. It was a mu- There was a much shorter version, maybe three or four minutes. At one concert, when she Is did her red... Is this the extended cut? <laughs> yeah, so in one concert she did, 
so <laughs> she did the full 10 minute and all the Swifties um, freaked out about how great this song is, but it was never released in that. an album. When she, I think I spoke about, if it was not the last podcast, the podcast before we recorded, she is re-recording all her albums. So she just re-recorded Red, basically re-records the album as is, but then she adds a few songs that didn't make it to the album. And within those songs, that's the 10 minute version. And she decided to do a movie, a uh, short film is what they call it, yeah, um, about it. Is that um, what was playing behind her when she was singing? Yes. yes. Really high quality production value. She directed it, actually. She spared no expense on on going after Jake. Nope, no. Um, <laughs> and uh, I personally prefer the short ver- version, but that's just me. Um, but Red was re-recorded, and that was my first audio topic I had. And I'm going to not extend this much, but I was really excited about this one because this is my second favorite album. Because when Red came out, I was coming out of a really bad relationship. So the album just spoke to me. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I needed. When I heard it again, because this came out when I I just turned 20, I think it was. And now I just hit 30. When I, I, I even cried at one point listening to the short version of All Too Well, just because I was like, Wow, I was my headspace was so different back then. I thought it was the end of the world breaking up with my college boyfriend and you know um and I thought like oh I'll never find love again. There were so many things happening. Um I had applied to a few internships that I didn't get at the time and I was frustrated with my pro- you know my professional career as well. You know, it hadn't started but I was already freaking out about that. listening to red was very um it was good for me because i was able to to realize that everything works out and everything happens for a reason and finally enough i did find love and i'm getting married next year so um jokes on 20 year old lorena Um, (laughs) you know i was very the joke might be on me because uh, me bringing this up, I'm Googling as we're talking. And here's the headline. The View debates meaning of Taylor Swift's red scarf. It's symbolic of losing one's uh, something else. And I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't re- But actually, when I heard that song the first time around, I never put two and two together. Um, I put it together later on. I, I've always had a more innocent mind. So um, I put two and two together later on in life. I was like, oh, that happened. Um, so Dion, uh, Dion Warwick, who's very famous, right? She says on Twitter, if that man has Taylor's scarf, he should return it. It does not belong <laughs> Chris, to you. Chris, please steer in the other direction. Box it up and I will pay God, you the cost really of postage, died. Jake. Is what she said. I don't know that it's going to get returned. That's all I have to say about it. I have no more audio. No, you said that before. If you say it again, I'm cutting all of it. I got nothing. Stop it. Stop it. Let it go. It's a family show. Going back to what I was talking Okay. This is going to be the 10-minute okay. version of uh This of is audio. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I want to say was that what really, and it has nothing to do with that song, John, I promise yeah, you, yeah, is okay. that one of the songs that came out in that album was called Begin Again. And it was a very positive song about a new relationship starting. And I hated that song at the time because I, I, I wanted the angry Taylor, right? When I first moved to Orlando a few months after I, I meet Samir, my fiance, and I have my Spotify on a Taylor, I put it on Taylor Swift and I clicked on the shuffle button and the first song that came out uh, was the begin again 
And then I related that song to, you know, having met Samir. It's a really nice song. You should hear it. Um, Very corny, but I like it. So when that album got re-released and Begin Again, you know, came, you know, I listened to that song. I was like, I forgot there was a positive song here. So it brought me back to, you know, again, happiness. So even though Red was an album that was, a, you know, I used a lot for coping, it also had that positive aspect that I didn't appreciate back then. But, you know, I do now. Let's put it that way. Me too. <laughs> okay. Staying in the music world <laughs> and, and tying it to podcasts, everybody knows that I'm a huge podcast fan. Well, I found a new show this year. It's a, ser- a mini series. It's 10 episodes, but it's called Waiting for Impact. Way back when, do you remember the Motown Philly video that Boys to Men did? Oh, and, yeah. you know, they show the different acts, the bands that are going to be part of the Motown Philly family. Well, there's a white band called Sudden Impact. The only thing they ever did was that video. This show is all about finding the members of this band. It is fascinating. Dave Holmes, he was a VJ on MTV. He was second place when he was in the tryouts. Part of the story is him telling how he got the job after he came in second. He's now an editor at Esquire and and has been around business for a long time. But he tracks down these individuals. So the band started as Sudden Impact, and then it became White Guys, G-U-I-Z, I think. And then they changed their name again. And it's all about the struggles they had to try to get a record out and that some of them gave up on music. Some of them are still in music. You know, they're now in their forties, if not fifties, but never hit it big. Fascinating story of trying to get fame in your twenties, how it impacted them, all the things that come with it, good and bad, how it's affected their lives. Really, really interesting. I'm not done yet. It comes out each week. I think I have three more episodes But to this point, he's interviewed, I think, four of the original five members of the band. I can't recommend it enough if you like pop music and you like that kind of those stories behind what happened. Goes into all these little side tangents about fame and recognition and how does your life change when you get a record contract like these guys got. And then the record is done and it just never comes out. Wow. That they had records that are sitting in a vault in a recording company somewhere, and they just never happened. Waiting for impact, because the whole idea was Dave Holmes just, he's like, what happened to these guys? They never did anything, Hmm. and it was waiting for impact. Michael? My pick is, even though we're staying in the music thing, and I know technically it's not only audio, but because of the subject matter, I'm I'm kind of putting it here so you can... You can flag me later. Get back on Disney Plus is the Beatles, Peter Jackson kind of documentary of like lost footage of the Beatles kind of putting this album together and how they're uh, before they did concerts, stuff like that. And, you know, look, a, a lot of it is inside baseball of listening to a bunch of British people talk about like, you know, the room doesn't have good acoustics and a bunch of other things. But at the same time, watching the four of them and Paul kind of almost single handedly willing the all of them to kind of move along when in rhythm to kind of get back together and do this album and do these con- do these concerts and, and this music um, along with just watching kind of the songs come to life literally like where they started off and they don't have the rest of the lyrics and then they kind of fill it in I'm not like a diehard Beatles fan but I do love them and I like and really enjoy uh, you know listen to this so, and just watching this kind of this time capsule I think they just did a great job with it so I mean if just if you're like from a music fan Beatles fan whatever you know I think it's just a it's just a great great thing to watch I think the one thing you need to warn people of is that it is eight plus hours. No, yeah, each well, I, it is an investment of it, your. It time. is an investment. Each episode is like two hours plus each, um, and like I said, it's some of it. It's like 
uh, like you have to drop it and kind of come back and you know whatever because it's 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 hard just to sit through two hours you know of each of each episode. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely an investment, um, but uh, I, I would say it's worth it. And kind of if if you're into especially either the history piece, the music piece, or the Beatles themselves, like all of that alone, it's worth it. All right, Chris, if you can stay off Taylor Swift, you got anything else? You got a game? Something? I do not. All right, well, Lorena, you're up then. So this is a podcast. Um, I'm a huge fan of a lot of teen shows, and The O.C. was one of the teen shows I watched back in the early 2000s. Uh, basically, Rachel Bilson and Melinda Clark, who were in the in that show, they basically have a rewatch podcast, and it's called Welcome to the O.C. Witches. That's not the word. <laughs> I, I am also listening to this podcast. So. Are you? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, I am. Because I was obsessed with that show when it was out back in Oh, yeah. Whatever. I'm rewatching it. Like, I'll rewatch yeah. it with them. What I love about the show, I mean, Mel- Melinda and Rachel have a really good relationship, you can tell. But, they you know, they bring in um, actors to, you know, every so often to chime in and they'll interview them and, you know, just rewatching and – they even discuss what's okay, what was okay to see on TV back then. That's not necessarily okay right now. Stuff like that. I'm rewatching with them, and there's a lot of cringy stuff, right? You know, in the OC, but I still love it. It still holds up. Adam Brody is fantastic. His character is the best character, in my opinion. Him and uh, Sandy, who well, that's the uh, the character's name, but I forget the name of the actual actor who pl- whoever P- played Peter Gallagher played Sandy. Okay, thank Sandy you. Cohen. Yes, exactly. So they both their characters were amazing on that show, and they're the best part of the show and i have samir watching it with me and he watches it because of you know peter gallagher and adam brody pretty much so the podcast you know it's just like any old um rewatch podcast uh, but it's good and it started pretty strong compared to other rewatch um podcasts that i've heard um you know comparing it to the start of the office uh rewatch and what was oh uh 902101s they weren't great they, you could tell they were new to podcasting um but this one's really good and I actually like it a lot more. I mean, I still listen to the one that has to do with 90210, but I do think that they, Rachel Bilson and Melinda Clark do a better job than Jenny Garth and uh, Tori Spelling. My next choice, most people are aware now that I have reignited my interest in professional wrestling in the last several years. There's a new show called Wrestling Anonymous. Colt Cabana, who's a very popular independent wrestler, Colt Cabana had a podcast for many years called Art of Wrestling, it was one of the original wrestling podcasts. Well, Wrestling Anonymous, great concept in that he's got a phone number and you call in, you don't say who you are, and you tell him your story about professional wrestling. Some are really funny. Some are very sad. Some of them are very naughty, like really naughty. <laughs> but it's so funny because he provides commentary between the stories. And some of them are things that happened when people were kids. Some of them were independent wrestlers that didn't get very far. One guy, he got fired from his job and then went to an independent wrestling show that night and just got to meet like one of the wrestlers and started crying. And it's, it's a really fun show about people talking about something they love. And some of them are part of it. And some of them are just observers like me and fans. It's a lot of fun. It's storytelling, which I love. And Cole Cabana, whether you like his wrestling or not, he is sometimes gets too much of a comedic wrestler slant, but he's a great storyteller. Definitely worth a listen if you want to just hear humans telling humans th- stuff in a, in the squirt circle. Michael, next up. I feel like it wouldn't be this podcast if I didn't bring up a or wouldn't if I didn't bring up a podcast with this person in it. But I, I came across it's called Star Trek: The Pod Directive, and it's uh, hosted yes. by Tawny Newsom and. 
Paul F. Tompkins, who I think is John and I's favorite person in the, in the, in the you know, wow. yeah, random podcast people. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of the official, and I'm using air quotes, but I think it's actually is considered the official like Star Trek podcast, so to speak. And Tawny um, does Below Decks, which I think is an anim- animated series it is. kind of about yeah. the people who are like not the captain, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and um, which I must admit I have not seen much of. So I don't know anything about that. But, uh, but just to listen to the two of them who enjoy Star Trek, then also just interviewing other people on like how they you know whether they're involved in one of the shows or just in general like their pieces of it and then uh, specific episodes and just all around different things and stuff like that and the two of them as hosts are great i mean paul Tompkins is amazing anyway but but tony's awesome as well and and just kind of hearing both of them just talk through stuff it's been a nice find this year for me and and even though i'm not going all the way back in time to catch up I, the stuff that i've listened to uh, up to it is just it's fun to listen to so definitely recommend Paul F. Tompkins is the MVP of every podcast he's on. Yes, it's true. It doesn't matter what it is. That guy is the best. Awesome. All right, Chris, last up. Whatever you have that's not Taylor Swift, and I don't know what else you got. Brother, that's all I had, really. I haven't listened to anything new, but the pod directive, I do have seen that, uh, Mike, and that's a really, really great choice. And Lorena, too, the OC stuff, I saw that they were doing their podcast. What about video game? No new video game this year? There's been a lot of stuff going on the last couple months, and I haven't had a lot of time to play, but Metroid Dread came out. Quick shout-out for that. It's the first 2D Metroid game. It's on Nintendo. This I don't know if you guys heard of Metroid, but back on the NES. So this is one of the old-school Nintendo franchises, and they haven't had a 2D installment in the series. And I want to say, and I could be way off on this, but it was like 20 years. And so it just came out. I got it on the Switch, uh, started playing it a little bit, and then just kind of life got away from me and haven't had a chance to pick it back up, but it played really, really well. So I'm hoping up here on a Christmas break coming up here in a couple of weeks, going to pick that back up, but uh, shout out Metroid dread. All right, Lorena, last choice for you. Okay. Well with the same theme of uh rewatch podcast of teen shows, drama Queens, which is the one tree hill rewatch um, podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. So, um, <laughs> And this one has um, Sophia Bush, who played Brooke Davis, um, Hillary Burton, who played Peyton, and Bethany Joy Lentz, who played Haley James Scott on the show. And the three of them just basically reunited. And again, I'm rewatching those. One Tree Hill, I'm actually not rewatching at the same time I'm listening to um, the episode because I've rewatched One Tree Hill so many times that I know the show by heart because it's the type of show that, for example, whenever I have to do like busy work but i want some background noise i have it on so like i'll finish a season and then it'll go to the next if i don't want to watch tv for the sake of you know like actually watch a show usually that's what i have on my background if i'm um doing dishes i'll listen to it from the living room whatever but so when it comes to the podcast well you know they, it's a weekly podcast and i'm just listening to a lot of it and they have a lot of interesting like behind the scenes stories i like that one a little bit more than the the OC one, just they talk a lot more about what went uh, around behind the scenes because there was a lot of controversy at the time with that show as well. So they're very tactful about it, but they are very open about you know things that happen behind the scenes. So it's really cool. My last choice is actually music, and it will be something that no one else is going to probably be interested in, much less be able to get because it's very specific. I'm into a horn band from the late '60s called Chase. Bill Chase was a trumpet player. He was in Woody Herman's big band. He was in Maynard Ferguson's big band, was really known as a jazz trumpet player, unbelievably talented, and he wanted to do a rock band. So it is a rock band with a trumpet section and a singer, 
and they do really, really out there stuff. They, they release three albums, and this is where it gets weird. The first album, the first song is called Open Up Wide. The last song, the last album is called Close Up Tight. And after that album was released, there was a plane accident and half the band was killed, including Chase. A very obscure group. I was literally a toddler when they died. I'd be a fan in high school because of the style of music. And over the years, thanks to YouTube being out there, a lot more content has come up. Like you can find recordings of them and videos and what have you. A little British publisher called Sleepy Time about two months ago puts out an email or puts out a note on Bill Chase's Facebook page saying, hey, we're going to start a collector club. And you're going to get exclusive CDs for six months. I signed up. And last month, I got my first CD. And it is unreleased recordings of their tour from 1974, literally days before the plane crash. And it's wow. a series of concerts that happened through 74. I'm going to get six CDs over the next six months of this content that's never been heard before. It's never been released. To me, it is mind-boggling. I listened to the first one. I just couldn't stop. I listened for, you know, it's an hour long. It's basically, it's pieces of different concerts, basically a full set list from that tour in 74. And I got done and I was just in tears. Like I just, it it was so mind-bogglingly crazy to think that this stuff existed. Surprisingly, the musical highlight of the year for me, for sure. All right, Michael, wrapping it up on the audio side. All right, so um, my last one is a podcast done by Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan, who you may have seen in other things. Most famously, though, they are uh, in The Lord of the Rings as Hobbits, uh, Merry and Pippin. And so they have gotten together, done a podcast called The Friendship Onion. Yes, they talk about Lord of the Rings, of which I am a major fan, but also they talk about all kinds of other things, uh, music, uh, their love of League of Legends, which they play and, and try to get <laughs> get their former castmates to join them in, and uh, unsuccessfully so far, and a bunch of other stuff. And it, it's just fun to listen to them. You can actually watch it on YouTube, or you could download it in, in wherever podcasts are downloadable, but they, they do a good job. They, uh, they were on Stephen Colbert a while back, uh, kind of plugging it and kind of having fun with that and i think they've just uh they definitely are embracing their both the fan base but also just themselves as clearly they actually enjoy each other's company and are actually good friends so it's it's fun to listen to very good some interesting content there take it for what it's worth we're going to wrap it up with what we're looking forward to in 2022 because many of you are sitting here thinking well it's really not the end of the year you got some new stuff coming out i know chris was a little upset that we weren't able to wait a little longer but Hey, I got to have time to edit this. Michael, what are you most looking forward to 2020, or at least after this show is out or we're done recording? Yeah, after the show, right, exactly. Uh, so, uh, there's there's a lot out there, to be quite frank. There's lots of stuff out there that I think every, all of us can pick from. But um, I actually am randomly really actually excited about the new Scream movie that's going to come out next year. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, oh. I'm a fan of that franchise. I think it's fun. That trailer was just fire, man. Yeah, it was definitely fun. I actually watched something the other day. I watched a YouTube video of these people who watch movies and react for the first time they're viewing it. And they, one of it was Scream. And it was just fun just to watch that because I've seen that movie so many times. Like it still hell holds up for me, the original. So it does. So I think I'm, I'm always excited to watch this. And, and I'm a Nev, I like Nev Campbell uh, as well. I think she's a, she's a good actress. And they all look great. Fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's a lot of that original cast, right? Yeah, it yes. is. Yeah. I think uh, if not everybody, yeah. but everyone who's at least alive in the canon so but yeah no i looking forward to that so at least as, as to, to pick one thing for for next year all right chris we're gonna see the return in 2022 of the one true batman on the big screen michael keaton we were talking about the multiverse 
in the MCU. This is the multiverse over in the DCEU where the Flash, which is not where I would have thought we would have saw Michael Keaton pick back up the cowl and the cape again, but it uh, looks like somehow the Flash in the DCEU is going to open up the multiverse there. And if you guys saw the trailer that came out, DC Fandom, maybe a couple months ago, but uh, we heard Michael Keaton's voice. You heard the music from Batman 89. It didn't show Michael Keaton, but I think it showed from behind the cowl uh, from uh, Michael Keaton. And you guys, I just, I, I can't even tell you how pumped I am to see Michael Keaton back on the big screen. I don't know how much, how involved he is. I don't know if it's just going to be a quick cameo or if he's involved heavily in the movie. But just to see, if you guys know me well, you know that I think Batman 89 is the greatest Batman movie of all time. Michael Keaton, the greatest Batman that's ever played in any medium, small screen, big screen. But he's going to be back, you guys, and I'm for, I'm all for it. I will go to the cinema for that one. Lorena. So for me, um, what I'm most excited about is um, HBO Max is going to have a 20th anniversary Harry Potter reunion next year. Oh, nice. So, yes. Nice. Um, and that's what I grew up with. So uh, I think I've mentioned it before. Harry Potter, you know, I, when it came out, I was like six or seven years old. And I read those books back then. And I followed the whole saga. Um, I've read each book at least three times. And I recently rewatched all the movies again. Um I saw the last one as soon as, uh, you know, as recent as uh, last week. I'm just super excited because they're bringing, um, they're bringing back, you know, Emma Watson, uh, Rupert Grint, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, and a bunch of other actors. Tom Felton's also included. I think it's most of them. They, they were, most of them said yes. And so it'll be an HBO Max. I believe it's January. I might be wrong about that, but I'm super, super excited about this. It's, you know, it's been 20 years since the first movie came out, which is amazing. That's pretty cool. They got yeah. That many people to yes. come back and talk about it. Yes, yes. My 2022 thing actually starts on December 29th of 2021, and that is the book of Boba Fett. Yes, yes. We've we've talked glowingly about the Mandalorian on this show over and over and over and over. I am one of those people that has been a Boba Fett mark since Boba Fett existed. I always thought he was a badass. I always knew he was a badass, and he demonstrated that in the Mandalorian. I cannot wait to see him demonstrate that in the book of Boba Fett, because that's just an awesome title for a show. And it's the thing I'm most excited for. Gang, we've had a, a fantastic time. Sometimes we go off the rails. That is quite all right. I value all of you so much. I value your observations. Chris, I even like when you read your phone and find stuff that you cannot, you can't get us back off topic. So much fun to catch up. You've given us a lot of things to consider tonight. I think now that we're even from me watching the holiday special. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> if people have gotten to the end, thank you. We appreciate that. I want you to connect with these folks and you can talk about these things or you can talk about HR and a lot of other things in between. So we're going to go around. Lorena, best way for folks to get a hold of you out there. Um, most of my social media, it's going to be L-P-A-B-O-N-H-R. Or you can look me up on LinkedIn as Lorena Pavon. So, um, you know, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook. If I don't know you, though, let's stick to the other social medias. Michael, how about you? The easiest way to find me there is on Twitter, uh, at MJMalady. There's a link to my LinkedIn there. And then, you know, you can find me on Instagram on the same handle as well. And Chris? Oh, uh, easiest way you can... Catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Orozco. That is C-H-R-I-S-O-R-O-Z-C-O 72 right there. 
You're not changing it to Tay Tay fan number one or something? I'm I'm shocked. Don't don't tempt me. See, you guys egg me on and then I go for it. I'm gonna do it. Everybody knows that's listening. If you don't know how to get a hold of me, then I don't know what to tell you because I'm done. I want to thank all of you again for taking the time. This has been an epic conversation. We will do it again in the spring and we'll just see what happens then. For the HR Social Hour and for this Pop Culture Roundtable, I'm John. Everybody take care. Have a safe and happy holiday season. All the best in 2022. We'll see you soon. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye. Bye.